Hello, hello, episode 34, Emotional Abuse Part 2. This is Tilly Moore and you're listening to Love is a Battlefield, the domestic violence podcast. Actually, there was someone somewhere on the interwebs the other day who said, that's a really bad name for a podcast or something. And then I realized the younger generation probably doesn't even know the song Love is a Battlefield and how much of a massive hit that was. So Love is a Battlefield is a song by Pat Benatar and you can find that on Spotify. It was a huge hit and it's like, we are young, heartache to heartache, we stand. Oh, it's it's really good. And it's basically about how, you know, relationships, it's not like the movies. It's not like the movies. It's not like Hollywood. It's It can be a little bit of a not happy time. And so that's the basis of what this started to be. And then it turned really like right down the domestic violence route. I mean, I could remove Love's a Battlefield and just call it the Domestic Violence Podcast, but it just doesn't have any flavor, any zing, any spice. So anyway, let's get into it today. Today, we are finishing the list of all the red flags for emotional abuse. I have gone back on the page and seen there's only like four or something, but I did know how much I do talk on each one. So I think it was good to sort of cut it off last week. So in true professional fashion, uh, I went back on the list and I was like, where was I up to? And so I went back to my episode and saw the last thing I was talking about was when they threatened to um, commit suicide to control you. But that one's quite far down the list. So I was just like, look, I'm just going to I'm just going to talk about like whatever. Like we're just going to make sure we get everything covered and anything I don't think I shared last time I'm going to share. Now, there's one that. I don't know if I did share Maybe I did. Look, sorry, but it says your partner doesn't want you hanging out with someone of another gender. Now, this is understandable. That's just, you know, someone who is controlling is like that. But I, I remember and the person who I was going to have dinner with actually um, has listened to a couple of episodes of this podcast. So I don't know if they'll ever end up listening to this one. But uh, hi, <laughs> if you have, you'll know who you are because... I was going to just dinner to catch up with a friend and this friend is not, does not date women. He does not date women, if you know what I mean. So there's no threat to the relationship. It's not like your partner going out with someone of the opposite sex who is attracted to that sex because that, you know, there could be issues there. It's like, who is it? Is it an ex? Is it someone who's interested in you? A lot of men know that um, men you know, who are straight and going out with a girl, they might be like, no, we're just friends. But secretly they're like chipping away to try and manipulate that girl to leave their mans for them. You know, those kind of situations can definitely happen. But this obviously wasn't that because he doesn't date girls. So, and we've been friends for years. So we were just catching up like we always have done over a meal. We love to go out and have a meal now and then. So this is what was happening. And once again, I had tried to leave this person, as I did many times, and they were being weird and horrible. I don't know where we we're at this exact point in time. If I was actively trying to leave, if I was actively trying to leave, I, he would have actually probably turned up there and been very violent. But he, he was abusive at this time. Oh, well, he was abusive all the time. So, yeah, uh, great fun. Um, zero out of ten. Don't recommend. But so what happened before we went out was um, I went to the dinner and then my friend said, oh, he was messaging me 
just and it turns out he was messaging him to double check that that's where I was going and saying really weird things like oh make sure you have fun tonight with the dinner and just like acting like they're friends when they were not friends like the creepy creeper abuser would randomly try and friend request people on my page and they I got a message from a girl saying I don't that guy you just um posted about like you're in a relationship with online I don't know him and he friend requested me and then of course he lied making it up oh I think he tried to lie that she friend requested him but what a weirdo and so because they want control they want control of you and everyone around you if they can get control of everyone around you they can definitely control you well so they think and so he was trying to be all chum chum with him hoping he would be like more vulnerable and be like oh yeah and answer and like engage with him and like so then that way he would feel he had control over what we were doing that night I mean he was busy he was probably working or something anyway so he couldn't come but yeah he was working and oh he was horrible that night like the he was at work but the messages just kept coming and he would crack it if I didn't reply instantly it's just like these people can act so sane and so with it and so charming and normal, but then they do have these cracks where it just shows this absolutely not well human just being such a literal psychopath. So I was really lucky that my friend told me that and told me he had messaged him and He's like, oh, yeah, I just thought I'd say hi and stuff. But it wasn't like that. Like, you know, if you do that, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, people can do that. They can be like, oh, you're going out with so-and-so. Oh, hi, how you been? It's nothing like that. It was very much control. It was also because he thought if I wasn't going out with him, he would be out, like, he would reply, what are you talking about? We're not going out. So he was double-checking where I was going and when. But even then, he was also abusing me on the way there. So he, I remember I was driving there and he insisted on calling me on the way and just was like, you're a piece of crap, you're this, you're that, and just putting me down and threatening me. And so I turned up just really not, I was just exhausted from all of that. I had to pay and that's what they do. They make you pay to do something. So me and this friend would only like catch up every six or 12 months or so. I don't know, like not much to go out to dinner. And so it wasn't like a regular thing. And this person had met them. They knew them and everything. Like it wasn't really, I never went out. Like I hardly ever went out. So, but he made me pay and that's what they do. They punish you for it. They will create arguments and yell at you and put you down and try and twist things to make fake arguments because you're not one to argue. You don't want to argue. You have nothing to argue about. So they'll just start attacking you and they'll exhaust you and then at the end of it you'll just feel like oh I don't want to go and do that again because you know I had to go through all that not realizing they did that on purpose to stop you from going out so it's all control so I don't believe I shared that last week with that bullet point the next one is your partner accuses you of cheating now narcissists cheat on you I remember I've said this before but I've got to say it again I've never forgotten I was in some narcissist group somewhere on Facebook and I was in the abusive relationship and I was absorbing as much information as I could 
about it all as you do in that phase. And that's the whole reason I've made this podcast, because it's like I was desperate for information. I just was like, what is going on? Someone tell me what is going on. I need to know about your experiences. I need to know what, like, is this person good or bad? Is it me? You know, because when you're in it, as you know, you think it's you. And so I was shooketh when they kept saying, uh, if you're with a narcissist, because at this stage I knew I was with a narcissist or a psychopath, even worse, a psychopath, but someone with an antisocial personality disorder. Now, so I knew that. I knew it. And they said, if you're with a narcissist, 100% they are cheating on you. And I was like, nah, nah, this person is obsessed with me. You know, they stalk me. They spend every minute with me. They wouldn't really have time to do that. And I just you know, they just love me so much. I just couldn't, even though they're abusive, I could not see that that could be possible. And they're like, we guarantee you if they're a narcissist and they have narcissistic behavior, there are secret side pieces. And it, I was, I just didn't believe it. And this just goes to show that at different stages in these relationships, because, you know, it's psychological warfare, isn't it? Or a psychological abuse or psychological terrorism, other people call it or brainwashing or gaslighting. It is just such a mind fuck being with these people, basically. And so what's going on is we just believe that from what we see that there's no way they could cheat. And it turns out, yes, he was. And every time I stood up and said, I don't want to be in an abusive relationship and uh, please like leave my house. <laughs> he wouldn't leave. He'd get abusive if I said that. But if he did eventually leave or something, because he had to go to work, something like if I said, I don't want to be in an abusive relationship and we had any time apart, I'm talking even hours, he would go and see these side pieces. And he had one convinced that he was this nice guy because he was just using her for sex. She never saw the abusive side. And just remember this, if they are using someone for sex, they will not abuse them. That does not mean they're not abusing you. These people only abuse people they have decided to abuse. They choose who they abuse. They switch it on and off for whatever they want. And if they are getting a supply, that person is a sex supply, an ego boost when they're not getting enough attention from their main piece or you or whoever, they are a supply that is supplying what they need. Why would they have to abuse them? They're doing what they want. They're a friend with benefits. And if that friend with benefits is giving them what they want, they're not going to abuse them. And don't think, oh, well, it's my fault he abuses me. No, because you're in an emotional relationship with them. Anyone who's in a relationship that involves emotions, commitment, anything like that, they will abuse them. They will. Eventually, they will abuse them. They will not be in a committed relationship with someone and not abuse them if they're this kind of person. But they cannot abuse people they're just using for sex because they're getting the sex and then they walk away. They see no benefit to that. And also there's no emotions involved. So when emotions involved, these people just can't handle it. They're just mentally ill. They're not well. So I had like brief encounter with one of his side pieces and she just kept saying, you're lying, you're lying. So he was lying to me. So I believe they were having sex all during our relationship. Anytime I said, nah, like we're over. I don't want to talk to you and that. And you think, oh, you just said you're over. Like if... <laughs> Yeah, but you know, like you just say, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be in this relationship. And they're like, no, we're not over, blah, blah, blah. I'll see you tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. They go and root someone else and lie about it. Like it's still cheating if you're taking them back and they're not telling you. Like 
because you're trying to leave, but you're not allowed to leave. Like if you assert, I don't want to be in an abusive relationship or any time, even like if I was busy, if I went to work or something, like I know he was doing any moment, he was not getting 100% attention from me and 100% what he wanted from me. He was using side pieces. And like I had with an ex, found a colored hair that was not my hair color on uh, the, the pillow in their house. And then it came out a lot later, the disgusting sex acts they had done with them and completely lied about it. So it's a control thing too, because in their mind, you know, they're all about ego, power and control. So if you say, oh, I don't want to be in an abusive relationship or you stand up for yourself in any way, shape or form, they will punish you by cheating on you. And it makes them feel like they have power. Like they not only have this other human they can just use for sex. So it gives them that little ego boost, but they also feel like, huh, I cheated on you, bitch. And that's what you get every time you don't do what I say and step the wrong way. And but stepping the wrong way isn't you actually doing something that a normal person perceives as wrong. You might just say, I have five bruises that I'm having trouble hiding and I don't like having to hide bruises. Could you please just not hurt me? They will feel justified in cheating as a punishment because they feel like they, yeah, they're sick. They're basically sick individuals. So that point that says they'll constantly accuse you of cheating, everyone knows cheaters accuse people of cheating. I mean, I hate being cheated on. I've been cheated on by most people I've been with. I hate it. It hurts so much. And if someone's cheating on me, I'd accuse them of cheating. But it's the unfounded ones. The ones like these narcissists know they intentionally pick people who are lovely, empathetic, vulnerable, kind of loving people who they know will not cheat on them. Like they know they love bomb this person. They can see their little evil plans working and getting this person completely hooked on them. So they know you're not going to cheat. So when they start accusing you of cheating, there's your red flag that they are cheating. And I know it is so hard to believe that the person you were cheated or the person you're still with right now is cheating because you just think, when? They're so obsessed with me. Do you work? Do you do things when they're not around? Do they have an hour here or there where you think they're at the shop or you think they're good at what they do? Uh, just go through their phone a lot. Like, oh no, psycho bitches do that. Like if you're with a narcissist, and you haven't caught them cheating yet, there's your answer. But honestly, you probably, like, if you need that, see some people, and that's okay, need more evidence to leave. They need their brain to disconnect from all the love bombing and manipulation it's had. So they, like, need to look in the phone, see that they're cheating and go, right, now I'm ready to make that step. So don't hate yourself if that's what you have to do. It's, this person, I mean, if you know that they're a liar and they're lying to you, if you know that they're abusive and they're not good, do what you got to do to get away. Next one is your partner blames you for their unhealthy behaviors. I swear I talked about this last week, but no, I don't swear it because I probably didn't. I don't know. It just feels so familiar. Apologies if I, but then I came back to the list and I hadn't done the bottom. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I touched on so many things. It, there's a lot of overlapping, but yeah, your partner blames you for their unhealthy slash abusive behaviors. This is just stock standard with a narcissist. They will always deflect. And it's interesting when you know that they're doing it. I was aware of it 
while I was with this person and I actually actively watched them use deflection. So if an accusation, because I mean, it's not really an accusation when they actually did it. <laughs> like you have evidence they've done it, like video evidence, or they literally just did it. Just say they just hit you. Just say they just went swing, hit. And then you go, why'd you hit me? And they'll be like, that, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it just happened, dude. But they always deflect. So if if that happened, if this these kind of people hit you and then you go, why did you do that? You're not like, that's abuse. Why would you do that? And they go, well, you X, Y, Z, you X, Y, Z, you're X, Y, Z, you're this. That's deflection. They will find something to put you down about and turn it, and I always just say that's deflection. You're turning it around on me. We'll talk about me later. I, mate, I was good. But you still, they, these people, they're so well rehearsed. Everything's calculated and planned. They love, get off on the mind games and stuff. So they've always got an answer for everything. But, oh, no, nah, I gave it a red hot crack. So they'd be like, oh, but yeah, I'm like, that's deflection. So right now you've changed the subject and you're talking about me. I'm happy to talk about me and my faults, but let's park that and talk about that later. Right now you've just been physically abusive. So we're just going to talk about that and then we'll come back to me. No, but you blah, 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 you blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not because you blah, blah. They cannot stop. You call them out and then if that's not working, then they'll change the subject to something else. They will never let it come back to them. There were a couple of times he faked taking responsibility. So if you're the narcissist who has verbally, when there are no phones or cameras around, because they're very cluey like that, admitted to being physically violent with you and abusive and said, I'm so sorry. That's one of the techniques of hoovering that they will incorporate when they feel that they weren't able to do it through just normal deflection, blaming you, victim blaming, like all the normal kind of things, they will pull that out of their back pocket. They will pull a full admitting they're wrong, full taking responsibility and full apology. It is a game plan to them. It is just a chess move on a chessboard. And I'm so, so sorry if there is someone out there who is currently going through all of this with a narcissist, and it's just so heartbreaking when you realize like they don't mean one word they say. Never forgotten when the victim before me for this person told me, oh yeah, they're a compulsive liar. Like everything that comes out of their mouth is a lie. I'd already left them because of the abuse at this point, but I'd only, I hadn't known them really that long. Like they couldn't help themselves. They just had to be abusive quite quickly in the piece. Now this person, uh, yeah, so she told me, that they're a compulsive liar. And I was just like, I I could not, I still could not even absorb that. I'd already left them because of the violence and absolute psycho abuse, but I had no idea who I was messing with. I had no idea how dangerous this person was and their history. And it's in these conversations that I found out more, but this person was so dangerous to men and women, actually. There was a history of them um, King hitting someone and apparently leaving them disabled or something. It was, yeah, and he got someone to go and threaten the, them and their family so they dropped the charges. And then he tried that on me. He tried to threaten me and my family. So 
I would drop the charges and I'm like, they're not my charges. The police are charging you because you've broken their law. This isn't like me suing you. It's not a private thing. The police have criminally charged you for crimes. I can't drop that. It's already done, you know, but he like, Apparently, I can beg them not to, but how does that look? And actually, don't ever fall for this. Please don't do this because, unfortunately, the way it is with police, they're not very well trained in domestic violence and coercive control, which will be changing in the future. It's a very, very tricky subject, so uh, no hate to them. But do not ever be influenced to drop charges. Do what he did. He took a picture outside a police station, a selfie, and said, I'm going in there now and made up this whole story how he went in to um, do something to manipulate me. You can, if you need to for your safety, you can say I went and talked to them and they said I can't drop the charges. They said it's too late because this person will always try and blame you for what they have done. These people will attack you, have a consequence of their crime, criminal action, and then revenge you for the consequence, not realizing they're doing the bad, the whole, it's all, it's all them. It's, you're their victim and they revenge you for being their victim. They're really unhinged. They're not well. They're actually quite pathetic. They're pretty crappy, crappy evil human beings. So where was I? Yeah. So the police, where they currently stand at the moment, the police is that they will not help you if you go through with like charges and then drop them or like go and tell them, please don't do that. I want to protect him now because it, they have to do a lot of work, a lot of paperwork, everything to do that. And then for you to just pull out, it gets quite frustrating for them. And some police have egos and um, as well, but no, it's not really about that. It's really about how they need to see evidence that you are trying to leave because if they proceed with things and it ends up in a court trial, like they don't plead guilty and you need to take the stand, they need to know that you are willing to go and take the stand. And that's a very stressful, huge thing when it actually comes down to the crunch of having to be cross-examined. And so if you've been hoovered back and you're trauma bonded at that time, you're not going to be a reliable witness. So it's going to cost the government so much money to go through a whole trial only for you to sort of throw it out the window because you're currently in trauma bond. So they have to see evidence from you that you're not in trauma bond or that you're like really, really making an effort and trying to get away from this person. So please remember that when dealing with the police. Show them that you're trying to get away from them, that you're doing everything you can, that you're going to work with them, that um, because if they know that, so never, ever drop charges because that person's making you feel guilty. Tell the police that they're threatening X, Y, Z. I didn't, but I didn't drop the charges. I was being threatened. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he um made a false report that I had assaulted him because when he was in handcuffs, in the back of a paddy wagon when no one was looking, he uh, used the handcuffs to injure his wrist. And then later at the police station, he told them that I had injured his wrist. And they're like, well, that's funny that you tell us now. 
after you've been alone in handcuffs in the back of the paddy wagon. Like they knew it straight away. They picked up on it straight away. But he kept pushing and pushing, going, it's not fair. It's because I'm male. Is it because I look all tough and stuff? Like, why are you doing this? That's sexism. Blah, blah. And he pushed and pushed, manipulated, manipulated, probably carried on and made threats to them too. So eventually they took his statement and they were going to come and question me about it. Now, I don't know where they stood with questioning if they were going to just go through with a charge on me. I don't know what was going through their minds. But um, I did find out that, yeah, they had me on a list. Obviously, no priority because I'd seen no one. and But I was on a list where they had to just randomly turn up at my house in front of my children and put me in a police car and take me in for questioning. I'd done nothing wrong. Oh, I, I was the victim and he'd been arrested and taken away. So he made that all up. But he used that. He believed that was his ticket away from the criminal charges he had from what he had done that night. Now, I have, per- I have a permanent injury from what he did that night for the rest of my life. So, uh, yeah, no. I'm just no. And our justice system didn't do anything in that instance. That was not – he didn't go to prison for that situation. He got given parole for that situation, which is just – parole just means don't do it again. If you do it again in the next year or something, you could – go to prison and he did the major crime uh, I think a month later he can't wait this guy cannot wait and then after went to prison for like a year he couldn't wait till his parole then after he got released had ended and did it to someone else he's just so dangerous and your narcissists are dangerous too you don't know I could never have imagined how dangerous this person was when I met them because of the grooming and love bombing. Actually, there's a series on TikTok right now. I've got to tell you about it. I've only just watched one of her videos and she has millions of views and millions of likes. And she's a lady talking about some toxic relationship she had. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm assuming we're looking at DV or some kind of cheating, bad, toxic behavior. I don't know. I've only listened to the first one. However, the first one, the way he treats her, is now a red flag for me. He did over-the-top things that made me go, that reminds me of my abuser. That's love bombing. And it's such a fine line between a guy who genuinely likes you and sees a connection and is keen on you and love bombing, grooming style behavior. So it is called, give me one moment, please. Right, it is called Risa Tisa. So it's one word. Type this into, like, if you're on TikTok, type in it, R-E-E-S-A-T-E-E-S-A, R-E-E-S-A-T-E-E-S-A. And it's this lovely woman in America who apparently there's, like, 20 or 40 parts to this story. And she's obviously going to be a good storyteller. And she's doing kind of what I do on this podcast, just sharing her whole story of her relationship. I'd love to be able to show my face and do that, but... uh, (laughs) abusers here that uh, sue you for different that Johnny Depp you let's just say that they do the whole defamation thing and then yeah it would not be pretty but yeah I'm looking forward to watching that but it's very popular and I'm late to the whole thing apparently it's quite everyone's talking about it so I don't know what he does but I just know that first episode I just saw some grooming and love bombing like and the way he turned he was like oh come and help you it just reminded me of my abuser 
So anyway, what were we talking about? Emotional abuse. Let's get back into it. I'm sure I spoke of this because I remember saying something about one minute they say you're a horn dog and, and you, you want it so bad and the next minute they're like, oh, you don't want it and then they rape you and everything. <laughs> um, the next one is that they make you feel guilty or immature for not wanting to have sex. I know I've definitely discussed this, but because it's at the bottom of the list, we'll go over it again. I don't know. Let's just go over it. So... Yes, if you won't give them, well, if you won't give them what they want, whether it be sex or a chocolate bar, they will have ways of manipulating you to feel guilty and stupid and immature and pathetic and lesser than them for not doing what they want. Everything they want you to do, they will make you feel all those things. They'll make you feel so small, insignificant, stupid, childlike, everything. Everything negative, they will make you feel that to get what they want. So sex is one of the things that they want. And yes, they will use anything and everything to get what they want. And guilt, they know that we are people who can feel guilt, who can feel that. They can't feel that. They really don't have any ability to feel that because every action they do is justified in their brain as, well, that was necessary because I needed to do X to get to Y. And they will justify it in their brain. So... I mean, I can just lightly touch on that. I don't have to go into great detail because, I mean, if you've been out there, girl, with these kind of narcissists, you know, like, you know, you know. Now, I've got to the last one on this list. I have found some more if I do have extra time to talk about. But the last one on this list is your partner overloads you with compliments and gifts and then uses that to manipulate you later. Love bombing. Now, I've got a whole freaking episode on this stuff way back yonder. Yonder. I love using the word yonder. And probably using it incorrectly, which just adds a little bit of spice. So what they do is, yes, I mean, love bombing. There's a whole episode on it. But this is what I was talking about with this, whatever her name is that was on my screen before. And now I've forgotten. (laughs) The TikTok lady is, yeah, the love bombing, the signs of love bombing, compliments, gifts. Oh, my goodness. I have never had someone put me on a pedestal before. This was the first time I have had, as I've said before, those slack, I I think it's an Australian thing, but I'm sure there's men all over the world that are just slack. They don't care that you're waiting for, you know, you're hanging out for a text. You know how you sometimes get a good morning text. And if you don't, you're like, oh, maybe tomorrow. And you're just hanging out, waiting for them to contact you because they're treating you like just a chore and a bore and an option. They're not treating you like a priority those guys we've we have to have all met those guys I mean if you're around my age you definitely and you've been dating you haven't been married to just one dude since you were like 20 or something like you would have 100% come across those kind of guys and then you come across a love bomber now that was the only red flag that my very bad abuser had so now I'm very aware of it but he was very good at it because I thought they would pressure you for time, like, come on, let's do this and do that. There was no pressure. He was very patient. He was very well thought out, like calculated and knew to be patient and let her guide things, but make her know that you really like her and see a future with her. And it's not crazy stuff like day one, they're like, I love you. Like, you're obviously going to see that as a red flag. It's very subtle, but, and that's why that first TikTok this lady did 
She was meant to meet this guy. Okay, I'll just tell you what happened. And then you can just go and tune in yourself. She was meant to meet this guy on a date. Like they'd met online. He'd been like doing the lovely grooming, love bombing, chat, chat, chatter up online. They'd chatted on the phone. They were meeting in person for the first time. And then she uh, had a tire blowout. It went bang on the highway on the way there. And although in America they don't call it, do they call it the highway or they call it, I was on the 34 or the 26. I don't know. I I like how Americans talk and have things. I think it's so cool. Things here don't make sense. I think the American language in a lot of ways makes more sense. I should say that. Australians hate me. I love soda because it's not soft drink. Soft to me is milk. Milk is soft. Soda just more represents the carbonation for me. I call it soda pop. Bubbles are popping. Soft drink. There's nothing soft about corrosive bubbly Coca-Cola that apparently can clean your toilet and polish your silverware or something. (laughs) It's not soft. It's corrosive. So to me, soft is milk or marshmallows and fluffy things. So and we call soda soft drink in Australia. And I'm like, no. So I call it soda all the time. And there is a shift ever since we're all sharing and caring on TikTok and social media these days. You can see different countries are picking up different ways of talking. And it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. We're all coming together as one. But I picked up soda when I went to America in 2008. First time I went to America. Oh, I loved it. I'm so obsessed. Anyway, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole other episode I could just talk about and it's completely off topic. So she had a tire go bang and blow out. And so like a decent person, because she is a decent person, because these people target decent people, she contacted him straight away and said, oh, I've just had my tire blow out, so I'm going to be late or not going to make it or something. You know, and then he's like, oh, where are you? I don't know if he called her or was texting her. And he said, oh, wait there, I'll come. And he came and then he took over and he paid for like a whole new tire or something. And that just reminded me of it. So now, are we obviously, he's not going to be nice. We don't know what kind of nice. We don't know if it's domestic violence, cheating, basic, just being toxic and horrible or what. I mean, people who've seen her TikToks, obviously, no, I don't know. But that to me just reminded me of that. And it's such a nice gesture, isn't it? It's so hard to at that point go, yeah, I don't want to see him anymore because that's a red flag. He was really nice and he paid for my tire. So that's love bombing. It is subtle, but it's it's like if you are in a relationship with someone who's put you on a pedestal, treating you like a queen, and you, we, I don't know, was it movies? I swear I'd heard of women saying, oh, the guy I'm with puts me on a pedestal, treats me like a queen. And I thought, that's what I want. Like, I want to be treated like that. So I'm sure there's healthy relationships out there somewhere where people treat their women really good and aren't toxic and secretly wanting to destroy their lives and abusive. I, but I don't know. I do believe movies, Disney, everything ruined it for me, thinking of that whole romance thing. And they do say that the movies really are toxic how they show men, you know, following women or the, you know, that classic eighties movie where the guy has the stereo outside her house and he's playing this, some song or something on a stereo above his head, holding it outside her house. And everyone's like, that's so cool. What a classic, how romantic. And 
actually, when you think about it, like if someone does things like that, like you said, no, go away, and they do things, there's a fine line between a very nice romantic gesture and intrusive, not respecting boundaries, something that like embarrasses you in front of your neighbors or your family in order to control you. Like that guy could go on in that movie, could go on to be like great, nice and everything. And that's the only time he's done anything like that because it was a one-off gesture. Whereas what I've seen in real life is a guy that does that. He's doing it to embarrass you in front of your family and your neighbors in order to control you so that you will go, okay, okay, just come in or, or okay, I'll be with you. Just stop doing that. That's embarrassing me. And then continues behavior like that every time you don't conform. Like, so it's a jungle out there. It's hard. So you, you're not going to do that. And that's the thing at the start, I was looking for red flags and I was determined to leave. And all I saw was he's actually really keen on me. Not super, super crazy over the top. I'm in love with you day one, but there were like, like now I know that how unhealthy those little love bombing sort of signs are. And that it is kind of sad that I have had to accept that any man that loves me is probably a toxic abuser. Any man that is keen on me is lying. And I've had to look back over relationships and accept that every man that was head over heels in love with me was probably just manipulator and evil and lying. And no one has actually really loved me. Like I think they have some, although I just found out the other day that a friend from when I was a young adult is imprisoned as a pedophile. He was like my best friend when I was a young adult. So now I'm side eyeing everyone like that really shook me up. It's just, yeah, <laughs> that's completely off topic, but it just goes to show you don't know someone's true colors. And as women, we're all coming out now saying men are our predator. Like they are dangerous and there are some beautiful, amazing men out there and they just aren't single because they're nice. No one leaves a good man. And so it's just a jungle out there and it's really hard. And so no one blames you if you fall for love bombing. No one ever blames. I mean, you have friends that say, why couldn't you pick better? But let me tell you right now, I've already told you this before. I got those friends who said that, who said, yep, next one. We'll interview him and make sure he's okay. They did. And they said he was great. They could not see one red flag with the man that ended up breaking into my house, holding me hostage and trying to kill me and do many, many other things and many other things to other people. And I wasn't the first. So they couldn't see that this man had done these horrific crimes already to people. Like they couldn't see anything. So they were blaming me for choosing poorly. And they're saying, you're really attractive. Like, why are you choosing bad guys? And then when they helped me choose and they screened this person and couldn't see anything, I think they just came to accept, well, you're a magnet. They just come to you like moths to a flame. So it's really hard to actually accept that someone who is love bombing you or acting like they're really keen on you, it's likely fake. So that's really sad to be bitter like that and to change your whole perspective and lose that little Disney princess inside of you who's like one day I'll meet my prince charming love and he will come and sweep me off my feet like you've got to just drop that and be a bitter bitch just to survive. <laughs>
So I have finished that list and I have found things on another page, but they are very similar. Something like they're questioning your beliefs and opinions. You try to explain how you feel. They're dismissive and blame you for overreacting. The word overreacting, every narcissist has said to their victim at one stage or another. You edit every word before you speak, like that whole walking on eggshells thing. I'll add a final one into the mix. Uh, mansplaining. <laughs> I've known someone, not that abuser, but someone else who loves to mansplain in order to put down people around them and have that sense of power and control. And if you're quite vulnerable or you're brought up being told you're stupid or something, you can fall into a relationship with a person like this who loves to mansplain everything and tell you, tell you why you're wrong. Why this, why that? Let me mansplain to you that no, that's not how that is. And they constantly just talk down to you and talk themselves up in every conversation. It's literally exhausting. So there are so many different ways, as you can see, that people emotionally abuse others to get that power and control. And it is all about power and control. That's it. Simple. Not simple. We've just gone on about how not simple it is. So I don't mean that. But that's the one thing they are desiring, as in simple as in there's one thing they are desiring is power and control and they will use any little manipulative bitch ass technique to do that to try and get that and it's sick and it's gross and it's bad and it's bullshit but most importantly it's not your fault these people who have to play these games in order to be in a relationship are not okay they'll never admit that they won't be vulnerable, but you have to tell yourself a no and, and listen to people like me. And then I don't know if there are DV counselors or anyone you can talk to where you are, but just to know and get in your narcissism groups all over the internet and just know these people, if someone has to stoop to those levels, they are weak. They are not as strong as you. You are the strong one because you can be real, express that you love people. You can be real, vulnerable, an amazing human. This person is a shriveled little worm, although I like worms more than them, and they will just suck the life out of you because they have nothing. And it's not like we should feel empathy. This is another thing they try. They, If they do get caught and they get cornered into, well, you are this, here's the evidence. Like, for example, when mine went to prison, they will go, oh, yeah, I am not well because they have to be the victim at all times. So if they're not, they're always the victim. It's always someone else's fault. So when he had to face justice to try and get a lean, a sentence, and that he had to say, yes, I'm really mentally unwell. And he used to even say that to me. He used to go, I'm an unwell boy. Knowing I'm like a nurse and like an empathetic person thinking that would work. And that's what they try. Like they can use that as a last resort of, yes, I'm mentally ill, but I have this illness like inflicted upon me. I can't help it. I'm really mentally unwell. You've got to help me. I'm going to go and get help. It's still a lie. It's still bullshit. If someone treats people like this, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, they will continue those behaviors and they will even get worse and worse 
and worse and those behaviors will increase into other behaviors you can't live like that it's not your fault you can't fix them they will convince you that you can i have been in that position emotional abusers are emotional abusers because that's what they turn to in order to control everyone and get along in life and there's they can't change which I know, looking back, I would have been heartbroken to hear that. Absolutely heartbroken and devastated because I remember, you know, looking at everything, reading everything about narcissists, like I was saying before, and, you know, hearing that they all cheat and going, oh, no, not mine. There's no way, no way. And now seeing people in that same position and also that whole, they're never going to change. You just, your heart, like you feel that drop in your stomach because you're like, no, no, like he, he says he loves me. He says he wants to. And it's not until you've stepped away for at least, I don't know, like four plus months that you start taking those goggles off, the blinkers are off and the rose colored glasses off and you see things for how they are. And you just despise this person and have no respect for them. You cannot see how things are when you're in it. It is you are, there's no way you can. And so it's, yeah, I really feel for people in that period of time, but just know I've been there. I've been there. It's okay. Just don't blame yourself. If you stop blaming yourself through all this, you will have the uh, driving force to stand up for yourself and know that you're allowed to stand. Do you know? <laughs> Fun fact, last fact of this episode. Do you know you're allowed to stand up to yourself for yourself against an abuser? It's, you're probably thinking, why is this new information? Why is this like, like, of course, it's common sense. But anyone who's been with a narcissist will be like, yeah, no, nah. because they can abuse you. They can do what they want to you. But if you stand up for yourself, you're a psycho bitch. You're controlling. You're abusive. You're horrible. You're an aggressive woman. You're not allowed to be aggressive or angry. And by standing up, it doesn't have to be just losing your mind, screaming and yelling at them. It could be anything, even just saying, I don't want to be abused. I don't tolerate that behavior. Just saying it calmly like that. Anything. They perceive any time you stand up for yourself as an attack and then they counterattack you again. So they abuse you. You say you stand up for yourself and then they abuse you to punish you for standing up for yourself. You are allowed to stand up for yourself. In fact, they have no right to abuse you in the first place. No right. They are all in the wrong. And don't let police or anyone else tell you. But definitely, the system doesn't like us. They need, like if something goes to court, they need to be able to portray us as a pure, beautiful victim. So there is a line where, like in my case, I never fought back because he was actively looking for dirt on me. He was actively looking for a reason to blame me and he wanted evidence to twist it, the narrative, get me put in jail to punish me for what I was doing by rebelling, by not doing what he wanted, which was staying in an abusive relationship and letting him murder. Like, I don't understand the fight. Like he wanted to murder me. He wanted to murder the one before me. Like we both left when he was actively like at the murdering stage like as you know I nearly lost my life 
And she said she left because he was about to kill her. She said, I know I had like a month left. He was about to murder her. She even talked of like shovels and garbage bags and ropes and tape and stuff that were in the boot or something really, really disturbing. She explained like that to me. And it was, she said he was about to do it. She knew it like he had escalated and he nearly did it to me. I believe it was the death gurgles that made him think, well, what am I going to do with the body? Oh, I'm going to prison and just like change his mind in that instance. But I believe he was going to complete like very soon and the police believe that themselves as well. So it was like, why desperately play all these games to make someone stay just so you can murder them? Like, it must be some sick fixation. But then again, why are pedophiles? Why do they do what they do? Nothing makes sense when these people are unhinged. They're dangerous and just try and stay away. You cannot, and the final note is, you cannot know how dangerous your narcissist is until you have been away from them for so long. So if you're with a narcissist, you can't know. You, you will not know. You have rose-colored glasses and blinkers on, but it's okay. Once you're away, you start the healing and you start to see things for how they are. Anyway, let's go chat next week. I have a couple of ideas for that episode, but I'm going to tell you because I might change my mind. Oh my gosh, like shh, it's a secret. All right, have a wonderful week. Stay safe, your legends. Love you. Bye.